2: this is what the left feels like they have a monopoly on and you will be made to care about the new morality they think that they're socially concerned about how things might strike a nerve with others you know the poor disenfranchised people you know they 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 want to make you think that you know your views on things are detrimental if they come from a christian background They may be caused to have some sort of conscious reflection if you show them that their morality is wrong. It might even lead to a spark of a shred of shame in their indulgence that the left may consume and normalize. Then they have to break those mirrors down. The same type of shame that kept people in closets back in the day or made them feel inadequate because of their lifestyles or choices. You know, they... They may not always have been overwhelmingly accepted, and even if it wasn't the intention of the societal norms that others have held, those people who felt marginalized by their own self-conscious now have to snipe out those who are upholding their own beliefs based on a religious view. Those views need to be extinguished in order for these people to feel comfortable and accepted in their own skin. And because you may question things, or even hold a microscope up to them, The left wants to bury you if you do question it, especially now if you don't accommodate them. Their choices, their lifestyles, if you don't acquiesce, if you don't support them, your faith may not agree with it, then your faith is the enemy. Instead of understanding how someone else could have a stance on faith, the faith itself must be destroyed because it causes too much self-consciousness, too much self-reflection. And they can't seem to do this with unconstitutional legislation that somehow just ekes by without any constitutional review or scrutiny. They've done that for a while. They've slowly been losing their grip on the activist judiciary, even on the Supreme Court level, which is getting extremely unnerving to the progressives now that their spry P90X stalwart of vigor and health, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they've got a movie about her because that's going to be compelling. Everybody's going to line up to see a movie about Ruth Bader Ginsburg You know, she's on the ropes. She had a large portion of her lung removed because of a cancerous lymph node. And, well, she's like 90 years old, too. So um, she has missed attending some of her most recent cases, which which was the first time in the history of her career. So that's kind of unnerving. And if she steps down and relinquishes her seat in the Supreme Court, it's going to be a cabin apocalypse of epic proportions. You've never seen a cabin apocalypse to the level of what would happen if Notorious RBG steps down. It's going to be earth shattering. This isn't going to be, you know, Red Solo Cup beer bong parties at, you know, the university where they had chain gangs of, of rape, you know, backroom dealings, rape chains. That's not going to it's going to be bigger than that. You've never seen anything like what you will see. Alyssa Milano's head's going to explode. But the last bastion of compliance, coercion, acquiescence to their authoritarianism is now to economically destroy their opponents. Even if they have a financial demand from their followers. Even if you, as a conservative, and you have an outlet that you're pursuing, and you have a demand, you have followers that want to pay, want to support your voice, and the left doesn't agree with you, they will keep that from happening. That's not even free market. That's, that's fascism. The fascism that they run around and claim everybody else is engaging in. Remember, the, rule of, the golden rule of the left, whatever the left accuses others of doing, they are actively pursuing or engaging in. So when they go around saying, oh, fascist, they are engaging in fascism. Now, keep in mind, they do these things to build narratives. Like they did with Memories Pizza. Do you remember Memories Pizza? Anyone remember that? It was really interesting because what happened with Memories Pizza is kind of like what they do with, you know, circuit court districts and judges and, uh, and, and courts in general. Basically what they do is they go shopping. Let's go see if we can find a bigoted company that we can build our narrative off. We can sit there and go, hey, look, these people are bigots. They want to sit there and, and hold their business from us because they don't agree with our lifestyle. Well, guess what? <laughs> That's what they did with Memories Pizza. They went, they, a journalist or jornalist went out and started shopping for some sort of business that they could vilify and, you know, for gay weddings. And they went up to many a business until they stumbled across Memories Pizza and they said, hey, do you have any? Uh, any qualms, any issues with catering a gay wedding? And they were like, "Uh, why would we cater a a gay wedding? We're a pizza place. But they said, well, no, you know, our, our beliefs don't agree with catering a gay wedding. And then they were vilified. They were slammed. Of course, what ended up happening was the conservatives came to the rescue, as we always have to do, and GoFundMe accounts were built, and we basically brought them close to a million dollars in in uh, in donations to help them in their issue. So that being the case, obviously, we have to take care of our own. But now, it's even getting more difficult to do that. You can't take care of your own if you are a business who operates using technology like PayPal or Stripe or Patreon—they got to shut those down. They have to do that with they have to they have to cripple you economically to make the point. That's what they're doing with the cake baker. Look what happened. This is an actual article from Slate Magazine. Um, this has to do with uh, Mister Phillips. He is the cake baker from Masterpiece uh, Masterpiece Cakes. They uh, they basically said even though his Views are reprehensible. Now, keep in mind, they're Christian views, but they say they're reprehensible. They said he may win on his argument. And this is from Slate. Given the newly entrenched conservative majority in place at the Supreme Court, Colorado should dismiss claims against Mr. Phillips. The state needs to recognize that this litigation is not the right vehicle to use to determine the proper balance between free speech values and the fight against sexual orientation discrimination. Right there is telling enough. The right vehicle? What is the right vehicle? Is, well, obviously the courts were the right vehicle until they became conservative, at least to the left. And it isn't the right vehicle. The right vehicle is to allow the constitutionality of his First Amendment rights of freedom of religion to be upheld. And remember, who was against the freedom of religion? It was the Colorado Commission on Human Rights. I guess that's what they were called because they actually rebuked him in public before they went through everything that they went through. It's Colorado Civil Rights Commission, actually. You know, when they said, well, he didn't, he didn't stand up for the gay couple and bake for the gay wedding, they basically blasted him in their rebuke of him and demanded that he go ahead and make the cake. Bake the cake, you bigot! Even though it was said that he would bake the cake regardless of, you know... Uh, other occasions he would bake birthday cakes. He would bake cakes that celebrate number of occasions, just not to celebrate the gay wedding or gender transitions. But that what they did was they basically said, we don't like the way this guy operates. Let's economically destroy him. And they came down on him first with the gay couple showing up. And he said, well, you know what? You can go into our restaurant. You can buy cakes. I'll make you a cake for your birthday. I'm just not going to be a part of crafting one and using my artistic values and and talents for your celebration because of his religion. And the Colorado Commission on Civil Rights decided it was, you know, they were going to be hostile towards him, and they were going to come down with a hammer on him, and the Supreme Court looked at it. In fact, it was Justice Kennedy, his decision, that left open the possibility that if the commission hadn't trashed Phillips' religion in the first place— They might have survived some sort of First Amendment challenge, but Justice Kennedy said, nah, this isn't right. And so now a lawyer, a transgender lawyer going through transition decided, hey, let's go to Mr. Phillips and demand that he make a cake. And so they went to him and he denied it again and again. Now we're back in court again and now we're economically crippling this guy because that's what the left does. Economic fascism. So we're going to get into a little bit more of this in just a moment. This portion of the program brought to you by Tar River Arms. This is America's first virtual gun store. It's really cool. They do all types of 3D imaging, 3D interactive experiences so that you can inspect the gun. You can flip it around to different angles. You can see all the details. It's veteran owned and operated. And it's, I mean, it's better than a brick and mortar store. They make it easier and more comfortable for you to purchase a firearm online. Great guns, great prices, great services. Again, veteran-owned. There's weekly specials that eliminate shipping and brokerage fees. You order, you pick up, no additional fees. I mean, who can beat that? Tar River Arms, go to Tar River Arms and check it out online. Now, we've been talking about the morality of the left, the new morality. And of course, they're trying to hit us with economic morality because they want to destroy us economically as, as Christians and as conservatives, but they also want to tackle us on other venues to prop up their side because it's all about evangelism. Now I know Donald Trump just had his, his address to the nation and I'm not going to get into Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's freak out session because MSNBC and the machine that's behind Ocasio-Cortez decided it would be an excellent idea to give her her own address rebuttal outside of Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi standing up there looking like the law offices of Pelosi and Schumer. I mean, they looked insane. Hovered around that little podium. It was like... I, sw- I swear to you, it was like, have you or someone you love been in a border clash? If so, call the law offices of fook and stooge. I mean, it was horrible. But Ocasio-Cortez, she was given a platform where she rattled off how those guarding America are less patriotic and less American than people running across the border and that whole freak-out thing. But the border is something that has been focused on quite a bit, and I... I- Yeah, I think we're getting an update from Tim Aflosta. Tim, are you there? Are you there, Tim? Thank you, Adrian. I'm Tim Aflosta down here at the southern border, and it's pretty tranquil. There's no wall, but there's these steel slats. They're a bit porous, which allows for some nice breathing room, keeping the border comfortable and free of any funk and odors, letting the border relax and alleviating any creeping up, riding up, bunching or chafing. We don't see any drug mules or any cartel members and I'll be right with you in just one second. Alright, thanks. Adrian, our extensive coverage of this docile border has left us pretty famished. I think we need to take a second in. Sorry about your length, ahead with your order? Yeah, can I get a BK broiler and a 10-piece chicken nugget? What kind of sauce? Southwestern barbecue sauce, if you have it. What kind of sauce is that? I said Southwestern barbecue sauce. Stop needling me. I mean, we're down here at the friggin' southern border, for God's sake. Did you just crawl across the border and put on a paper crown? I mean, I'm trying to make the president look bad. You know, liable and slander and you decide. That's what I was hired for. Jeez. Okay, back to you, Adrian. Well, alrighty. righty. Yeah, that was our border update. Yeah, Timoflasta, or Afrosta, I'm sorry, I got your name wrong. He was down at the border. So was Jim Acosta. And Jim Acosta decided to prove that border's actually seem to work
0: and here are some of the steel slats that the president's been talking about uh, right here uh, as you can see y- yes you can see through these slats to the uh, other side of the u.s mexico border uh, but as we're walking along here we're not seeing any kind of uh, imminent danger there are no migrants trying to uh, rush toward this fence uh, here in the McAllen, texas area as a matter of fact there are some other businesses uh, behind me along this highway there's a gas station burger king and so on uh, but no sign of the national emergency that the president has been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's pretty tranquil down here.
2: Amazing. And what's amazing is the little detail that CNN failed to mention um, where they actually were shopping around for some networks that were in the area and they, <laughs> they wanted to get you know, a little confirmation, get a little, get a little uh, help down there at the border from people in the know. More importantly, those from KUSI. But apparently KUSI wasn't included. That news station was left out of the mix. And listen to their response.
3: As a sign of the times in this debate on the shutdown, CNN asked if KUSI would provide a reporter to offer our local view of the debate, especially to learn if the wall works in San Diego. KUSI offered our own Dan Plant, who's reported many times that the wall is not an issue here. In fact, most officials believe it is effective. The issue we face is the migrants and the debate over their treatments. Now, knowing this, CNN declined to have us on their programs, which often present the wall as not required in other places like the stretch of the Texas border. The president visited earlier today. They didn't like what they heard from us. Just some background for you.
2: Unbelievable. I think CNN even came up with their own little response to the response by that network where they said, we called several local stations to book someone for a show. We didn't end up booking any of them. That happens every time, every single day. We did, however, book a reporter from KUSI for a story on immigration in the border wall in November. This is a non-story. Hashtag facts first with an apple. Of course, we responded with tons of bananas because what they are selling is an apple is actually banana. Right, CNN? But it's amazing when you start to get into... The minutiae of what they're trying to do as far as gaslighting goes. Because now the big argument is whether or not Donald Trump can use emergency funding. Now, never mind the fact that this border that everybody is saying is tranquil. Everybody is saying, oh, you know, it's peaceful, it's docile, you know, it's a little porous. Got to alleviate the chafing of the border. Apparently, there was a border skirmish between drug war, a drug. Cartels right on the other side of that border to which many of them were buried. Five or six bodies were actually burned. So there's a problem right there, right, Acosta? I mean, and now the narrative has been whether or not they're going to use funding from Puerto Rico and funding, you know, the Puerto Rican recovery, the funding from the wildfires in California and that recovery. Is all that going to be something that's going to get exploited? I mean, is that what's going to happen? They, this is what NBC said. NBC News exclusive. President Trump briefed on a plan that would use Army Corps of Engineers and a portion of $13.9 billion of Army Corps funding to build 315 miles of barrier along the U.S.-Mexican border, according to three U.S. officials familiar with the briefing. That was the first tweet. Then it's followed up with, the money was set aside to fund projects all over the country, including storm-damaged Puerto Rico. But checks have not been written yet, and under emergency declaration, the president could take money, said officials familiar with the briefing and two congressional sources said. Under the proposal, the officials said President Trump could dip into $2.4 billion allocated projects in California, including flood pre- prevention, protection projects, as well as $2.5 billion set aside for reconstruction products or projects in Puerto Rico, which is still recovering from Hurricane Maria. Senior Defense Department officials discussed the proposal with President Trump during his Thursday flight to the southern border, according to officials familiar with the briefing. And that's when the narrative was built and the outrage was set because Puerto Rico Governor Rossello said, No wall should be funded on the pain and suffering of U.S. citizens who have endured tragedy and loss through a natural disaster today. It's us. Tomorrow, it could be you. So now the gaslighting has to begin. And, of course, CBS This Morning had the creator of the Hamilton musical show up because he's doing a three-week run in Puerto Rico today. Wow, look at the timing! This is the first time in more than two years that he'll play... He'll... Play Alexander Hamilton. The production will raise money for artists and art organizations in Puerto Rico still recovering from Hurricane Maria. And that's how they do it. And of course, they'll get some more celebrities to dogpile on. They'll get some more people to jump all over this and make it seem like President Trump is going to pull the funding from emergency aid for wildfires and hurricanes and things of that nature and use it to just build his wall. Never mind the fact that MS-13 is all over the country doing nefarious things. This is from ABC7. New, this MS-13 associate paid gang leaders $100 to have sex with a 14-year-old girl and then secretly filmed the encounter. 52-year-old Felix Silva Zungia allegedly used that video to blackmail the teen for more sex. It is happening inside of a home near Wheaton High School. Detectives say the 14-year-old girl worked as a waitress at Lily's Restaurant in downtown Wheaton. There, she would conduct cocaine and marijuana sales and serve alcohol to customers, a high-ranking MS-13 member would later reveal. A lot of money was made for her services. At one point, the 14-year-old girl attempted to quit. She was later summoned to a home in Kensington, Maryland and beaten with a baseball bat. At one point, the 14-year-old girl attempted to quit. I mean, it's it's amazing what they have done with this entire thing, this narrative that they've crafted where they basically say, oh, well, you know, walls are immoral. They send send Jim Acosta down there in the middle of the day. No one's crossing that border at that time. And they're going to sit there and act as though they are that, you know, we're not getting the full story from President Trump when he's out there showing how people have been killed by the drug cartel. When he's showing in full detail in his not only his address, but in recent press releases and interviews after, you know, he's had a couple uh, uh, press conferences after that address and has shown that there were people impacted negatively by the drug cartels. It's not some apparition. It's not some false story. And until we start realizing that what's moral to do is to protect our sovereignty, to protect our borders, to keep those who want to use our porous border and our lack of resolve in addressing that matter, because we have the side of the left who wants new voters, automatically assume that whoever comes across this border is going to be a Democrat voter, even though some of these people are showing in polls And as they move in to the United States, that they may not be 100 percent Democratic voters. But we also are looking at the fact that the other side, Chamber of Commerce, uh, Rhino GOP, shills, they want the cheap labor. They want their their buddies in, in business to benefit. And don't, you know, don't assume all big businesses are GOP. We said that in the past. The DNC has a hold over Wall Street. They have a lot of businesses that they control. And those businesses do corporate philanthropy with all of the pet projects, all of the pet industries. And that's where you get funding of things like, I don't know, Planned Parenthood. You know, that's where you get these transgender bathroom bills pushed through because Target is going to back things like that. These We have to keep in mind that it's not some GOP runs business, DNC runs government kind of split. It's not that binary of a choice. So we also have to be aware of things that we utilize in our own lives that negatively affect or positively affect organizations that work on our behalf. Of course, patriotmobile.com is a prime example of that. If you want to have cell phone service from a company who backs your beliefs, A cell phone company that has great coverage and they have great product, but they don't give to the organizations like Planned Parenthood. They don't give to organizations that want to infringe your Second Amendment rights. PatriotMobile.com is where you go to to purchase that item, to switch your phone over to a service that backs your values and your beliefs. That's PatriotMobile.com. So we really need to get serious about the border. And it looks as though we're hitting that stalemate. I'm just hoping Donald Trump takes it to the level of putting it out there and just not wavering. No DACA, no crazy dreamer act. You know, we have an immigration system that can be revamped just a little bit to make it more streamlined. But it still vets those who want to assimilate. And so on the other side of the break, I want to get into some things with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yes, everybody has spent a lot of time on her. She's overblown. But I want to get into this Green New Deal, and I want to get into some of the things that she thinks is moral. Because apparently, Christian morality is old hat, and it's oppressive. But the new morality, the morality that says borders are immoral, and that if you speak... With things that we don't agree with, we have to economically destroy you. Let's cover that morality. Follow me on social media at Rants Out Loud, at Adrian Slade Show on Twitter, also Adrian Slade on MeWe, Convo, and Parlor app. Back in just a moment.
0: This is Adrian Slade.
2: Adrian Slade
1: broadcast.
2: All right, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about these new new House of Representative members. More importantly, those who want to bring us the new morality, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yes, everybody talks a lot about her. The puppet, the uh, empty suit, the one who's standing in the congressional chambers with her finger on her chin, looking around like a lost puppy, going, where am I? Wow, look at this. And then she starts thinking about her economics. How is it that I can buy one slap chop for 1999 and get two additional slap chops absolutely free. I don't know. Somebody just pays for it. That's that's Ocasio economics. <laughs> when she becomes president, because most likely she will, that's the way it works in these America these days. Ocasio Cortez Enomics will be slap chop anomics. Buy one Slap Chop, get two free, we don't know how, it doesn't really matter, don't think about it, you just pay for it, 70% tax rate, and it's done. So, we really need to look at what she is bringing to the table, especially with her interview that she had on 60 Minutes. There were some eye-opening comments that we probably need to talk about. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she has that neat little new Twitter handle At AOC, which is pretty interesting because to me, there are companies that pay big money for short handles and social media. You know, it's for branding purposes. You know, instead of having a long drawn out name, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or having a or or Ocasio-Cortez 2018. If you make it just AOC at AOC, that's I mean, that's gold. That's like the equivalent of Intel. You know, the boom, 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 you know, it's it's all about marketing. It's having a Swift logo, a little quick sound effect that everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's Intel. You know, it's it's that kind of marketing that you have going on. And then you have the fact that the Dancing Queen video that was released was from an account that no longer exists. It was an anonymous 1776, was it anonymous Q1776. So could it be... I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, but couldn't this be really good marketing to take a video on the day she's sworn in, make up a fake QAnon account? Because, you know, QAnon knows everything. QAnon knows that I ate Hungry Jack pancakes this morning. Q knows it all. And they hate Q on the left. I mean, I don't know. I don't give much credence to Q because I've heard mixed reviews on whether or not Q is a real thing or not. But regardless, If you wanted to vilify, especially with CNN going out there and putting Q everywhere and, you know, showing billboards of QAnon and people at protest holding up QAnon signs. If you wanted to really do some marketing, take a really likable video of you dancing like a crappy 80s or crappy 90s Friends sitcom and then put that into a video that is released by a QAnon Twitter account. And then you can turn around and say, hey, look, all the conservatives were mad and, and shocked by my dancing account, which none of them were. We all just kind of looked at it and said, OK, whoop do you do? Most people said, wow, she looks like she's having fun. But if you really wanted to take that step, that's how you would do it. It's all about marketing. And so nothing that they do seems organic. Nothing they do seems, you know, built from the bottom up. It all seems contrived. Because when you sit somebody like like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez down like they did for 60 minutes, well, then you get a different, completely different side of her. You get somebody who wants to tax you at 70 percent.
0: You're talking about zero carbon emissions, no use of fossil fuels within 12 years.
3: That is the goal. It's ambitious. And how
0: is that possible? You are talking about everybody having to drive an electric car.
3: It's going to require a lot of rapid change that we don't even conceive as possible right now. What is the problem with trying to push our technological capacities to the furthest extent possible? This
0: would require the raising taxes.
3: There's an element where, yeah, people are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes.
0: Do you have a specific on the tax rate?
3: You know, you look at our tax rates back in the 60s, and when you have a progressive tax rate system, your tax rate, you know, let's say from zero to $75,000 may be 10% or 15%, et cetera. But once you get to, like, the tippy, tops. On your 10 millionth dollar, sometimes you see tax rates as high as 60 or 70 percent. That doesn't mean all 10 million dollars are taxed at an extremely high rate, but it means that as you climb up this ladder, you should be contributing more.
0: What you are talking about, just big picture, is a radical agenda compared to the way politics is done right now.
3: Well, I think that it only has ever been radicals that have changed this country. Abraham Lincoln made the radical decision to sign the a- the Emancipation Proclamation. Franklin Delano Roosevelt made the radical decision to embark on establishing programs like Social Security. That is radical.
0: Do you call yourself a radical?
3: Yeah, you know, if that's what radical means, call me a radical.
2: Yeah, she's only calling for the change, the radical change of, uh, you know, uh, tax codes and, you know, only the tippy top. Tippy tippy top tippity tippity top one percent is going to pay for it all. That's how it always works. I mean, she is just an unbelievable uh, enigma. Yeah, we're just going to make that all happen. You know, just like Medicare for all, you just pay for it. That's all. You just pay for it. So we're going to move to this green energy initiative, this green new deal, where we go basically completely on you know fossil. uh, We get away from fossil fuels completely on electric energy and. All of these different ruses that do not have viability in the market quite yet. They're not marketable uh, energy sources. You know, let's put up some wind turbines and we'll take out all the bald eagles. Yeah, why not? Let's go ahead and, you know, just put up nuclear energy, which we've all been vying for. But for some reason, nuclear energy is an evil thing. So it's all about economically crippling the United States in order to comport us into a global union with countries that aren't on our level. That's how you do it. That's why you have a president for eight years pushing socialist policies and keeping GDP under 2% for eight long years, telling us all, oh, this is the new norm. You can't do anything better than this. And guess what happens? We do something better than that once the boot of government is taken off of its neck. That's what happens when you deregulate. That's what happens when you change tax structure and remove tax burden off of individuals and businesses, you unleash the market. You know, it's like a, it's like a, a lion caged up, and you throw some red meat out there. Well, you you know, put eight or nine different you know, chains locked up to a wall, that thing's not going anywhere. But you take all those chains off, and it goes right for the meat and devours it, and that's what we're looking at. And so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, her idea of what the future should bring is not economically viable, and I don't even think she's thought it through. Obviously, she hasn't. She hasn't thought through foreign policy because she doesn't know anything about Palestine and Israel, even though she sides with Palestine, just like every other every other person in the new 116th Congress, or at least in the House of Representatives, the new group that's been ushered in that we've been talking about. But we have to realize that these people are ideologically driven, and they're looking to shake the system because they don't like the way America was founded from day one and some of them like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez I even wonder if she is even you know if she's a willing participant is she a puppet is she somebody that's being controlled because they need to put new people out there that are fresh young faces out and there's a machine behind them guiding them through this providing the talking points drilling them on the off season drilling them before interviews weeks before and just say, hey, say this, go out there, look pretty and be for the youth and let the machine behind it do its job. But this machine gave us election results and elections have consequences. Some of those uh, election results, quite questionable, you know, whether or not they have found absentee ballots or uh, missing ballots, early voting ballots, trucks of ballots showing up, people showing up. Uh, that are illegal, they don't even have voter registration cards, they don't even have identification, they're just voting. But regardless of how legitimate they are, you know, the majority of these elections were legitimate. And the problem that we have is we've legitimately brought in people that are anti-American. And some of them are very disturbing. But this anti-American group of people that are brought in for the 116th House of Representatives, there seems to be a machine behind them. And it seems to be a good marketing machine behind Alexandria Ocasio Cortez to be sworn in, have a dancing video, show up on 60 Minutes all at the same time. But regardless of who's behind Ocasio Cortez, we have to look at some of the buzzwords that she's throwing around. She talks about how even though this new green deal that, or this, what green new deal whatever the heck it's called which is actually a green party platform agenda item that's amazing to me in and of itself because that shows me we've talked about the rift in the democrat party the civil war that's going on we had a little bit of one in the in the republican party over who's going to gain control of the party of course the trump wing has basically <laughs> taken it over for lack of a better you know term but at the same time It's because the establishment has kind of rolled over and said, hey, if you're getting some momentum, go with it. And we'll just kind of stand off to the side and virtue signal and pretend that we're outraged by what you're doing. So we keep some sort of credibility, but go on and do what you got to do. And on the left side, it's a complete breakdown as to who's going to have control. Is it going to be the Nancy Pelosi establishment? Of, you know, the Hillary Clintons, or is it going to be the socialists, the democratic socialists like Rashid Talib and uh, Ilham Omar and and, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the new and Beto O'Rourke, you know, these people are being tested and being test run as the new the new militia for the left. Keep in mind, one of the things I said is for the upcoming elections, there's going to be some crucial things that have to happen. You're going to have to establish name ID. You're going to have to establish branding. That's going to be necessary. See, Trump came in with all that already baked in. He was the apprentice. He was the guy who hooked up with Marla Maples in the 80s. He was the guy who built most of New York and all these different places in Mar-a-Lago and Vegas and what have you. So, And he was the guy. Every election cycle, year after year, brought on Fox News for decades going, hey, are you going to run? I don't know. Are you going to run this year? I don't know. And then he does. So how do you build the name ID? Well, obviously, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has got some time before she can ever be a president. But you lay the groundwork now. You till the fields. You plant the seeds. You get everything ready. They're doing it with Beto O'Rourke. They're doing it. They will do it with the Castro brothers, you know, the parent trap brothers. The Postmaster General, I I guess he was like some sort of uh, assistant uh, something. I I don't know. He was some sort of uh, government employee, but it doesn't have the gravitas of a Senator Obama who can pretend to be senator for a couple of years and then go right into the presidency. But uh, Postmaster General Julian Castro and his brother or what have you. You've got to start building the name ID. You start to get it in the culture. You have to find ways to become the viral social media star, an Instagram kind of star. That's what we have with Ocasio-Cortez. She's a basically an Instagram star. You know, she's basically, and, and that's what they're doing with people like Beto O'Rourke. That's why they poured tons of money. Now, Beto O'Rourke said he's going to go out to the college uh, you know, the community college circuit outside of Texas, and he wants to go do speaking engagements because he wanted he wants to meet those who need some sort of uh, hope for the future in politics. But I guess, first off, you don't want him to drive. All right. Don't have a couple of uh, Harvey Wallbangers, maybe a couple of, uh, you know, uh, fire fireball shooters and get behind the wheel. You might crash into a car, come in the opposite direction and have to run from the flea, uh, scene of the crime. I guess he's going to run around muscling down a, wa- a burger. You know, he's going to be air drumming on his way in. To, uh, we won't get fooled again, even though he tried to fool everybody into being a faux Hispanic. He's an Irish guy who played in a crappy punk band. And they never called him Beto. They called him Bobby or Bob. So, but you have to start establishing the name ID. And then what you have to do is you have to play on the ignorance of the people who are voting for the democratic socialist. They have no sense of morality because they've rejected any sort of higher power. That's why they looked at government as their God. They look at government as the be all end all. They look at somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg who didn't even show up to the most recent uh, cases. So that's kind of telling, but they're so worried about her keeling over because the god of government, which is adjudicated by the Supreme Court, could be in a power balance that they will be out of for decades if Ruth Bader Ginsburg croaks and Trump puts somebody in her place. But see, that's the thing is you have to realize they don't understand ethics. They have their own morality. It's a fake morality. It's it's a flaccid morality. It's a morality built upon what they think is right and wrong, not be not a higher standard that is absolute right and wrong. You know, we as conservative Christians, we conserve natural rights and liberty, God-given rights that the Constitution protects us from the government infringing upon. They don't see it that way. They don't understand. They go, well, morality to them is, you know, uh, being nice to others. I'm going to go to Haiti, and I'm going to work for UNICEF. And I'm gonna help the Haitians, and that's gonna make me more moral than you because I'm a nice person. I spent all this time doing it. You know, think about how they're gonna go out and uh, they're not gonna bully, they're gonna be inclusive. And the people who are gonna be the enemy are the Christian conservatives, those who actually look towards a higher morality than what the government mandates. You know, thou shalt not kill, love thy neighbor like thyself. Do unto others as you would have unto do unto you. You know, don't covet thy neighbor. Don't ha- commit adultery. All these things that are godly standards that we hold ourselves to, they couldn't care less about. And what's funny is they spent so much time trying to remove those things because they were afraid of the uh, of the the conscious uh, the consciousness that is convicting them because they have gone against these things. The fact that they can't hold up to those standards, and they feel shame because of it. They've spent all this time removing prayer from schools. They've spent all this time removing the Ten Commandments from courthouses. They do all of this because they didn't want Christian ethics to be in the public square. But guess what? Then all of a sudden Enron and WorldCom and all these things started happening, and all of a sudden, and I know this because going back and making a career change When I went back, that was one of the things that they mandated every course to have at least one section on ethics. Why? Because you've removed all the ethical things, all the ethical mechanisms that are provided by religion, by Christianity. You've removed them all because you hated it so much. And now you're going, oh, crap, everybody's doing whatever they can, whatever they want, and no one's stopping them. So then it was this question of what is legal versus what is ethical. And then they had to show that even though something is legal to do, it may not be ethical, may not be nice. You may be bullying somebody. You may be taking advantage of somebody. Guess what? You didn't need any of that. You didn't need any of that explanation had you not removed biblical ethics and biblical standards. But you did because you hate us that much. And so listen to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talk about – her Green New Deal and how, yeah, it may be factually incorrect, it may be precisely incorrect, but it's the moral thing to do.
0: The criticisms of you is that your math is fuzzy. The Washington Post recently awarded you four Pinocchios oh my for uh, misstating some statistics about Pentagon spending.
3: If people want to really blow up one figure here or one word there, I would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right.
0: But being factually correct is important. It's
3: absolutely important. And whenever I make a mistake, I say, okay, this was clumsy. And then I restate what my point was. Um, But it's, it's not the same thing as... The president lying about immigrants. It's not the same thing at all.
2: Yeah, it's you know, it's it's moral to lie. It's it's moral to fudge the facts because you know we gotta feel better about ourselves. You know, never mind the fact that your Green New Deal, which we're gonna get into, will bankrupt everybody. I mean, think of this. Here is a here is an example of this similar morality with the left. This is Brad Simpson. I think he's the uh, producer or the director of some uh, Versace uh, movie, might be a Netflix thing, at the Golden Globes talking about his win and talking about what it means to others.
1: 20 years ago, um, he was one of the very few public figures who was out during a time of intense hate and fear. This was the era of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It was the Defense of Marriage Act era. Those forces of hate and fear are still with us. Um, They tell us that we should be scared of people who are different than us. They tell us we should put walls around ourselves. As artists, we must fight back by representing those who are not represented and by providing a space for people who are new voices to tell stories that haven't been told. As human beings, we should resist in the streets, resist at the ballot box and practice love and empathy in our everyday lives. Our show is a period piece, but those forces are not historical. They're here, they're with us, and we must resist. Thank you very much.
2: Again, there's some sort of morality. we got to love each other. Although, you know, don't ask, don't tell, and those things, oh, that was all the Christian right. You know, they imposed these things, so we had to live in the darkness. But now we get to come out, and we get to just love each other, except for we don't need to love Christian conservatives. we got to resist them. But, I mean, you know... It's, it's like this tweet I saw by this one individual who is actually a part of this whole Green New Deal. And it was, it was completely unrealistic and ridiculous when you look at what he was proposing. I mean, it was this whole utopian mindset. It was, it's unbelievable. It was like, well, you know, we're going to end poverty. And we're going to we're gonna lift everybody out of despair. Because we're these moral people. Well, that's not how this works. You know, not everyone wins the championship. Some are runners up. Some are in last place. Not everyone wins the lottery if they decide to play. You don't always win the sweepstakes. Did you ever win the McDonald's Monopoly game? Probably not. I didn't. You may have won a complimentary soft serve, but you didn't get the equal dibs on the winning treasures of the contest. Not everyone is hired for the top positions, but the left's morality is covered in greed. It's covered in coveting others and envy. But it always works out that what is required for thee is not for me. Listen to this. One of the stalwarts of the left, Fidel Castro. Wow, his grandson. He's an Instagram star. Listen to this. Fidel Castro's grandson has been on the receiving end of negative comments after photos surfaced of the young man flaunting the family's wealth on social media. Various South Florida-based media outlets covering the Cuban community came across Tony Castro's snaps just days before the communist island celebrated its 60th anniversary of the Cuban Revolution, which was led by his grandfather, who would later rule for five decades before dying in 2016. The lives of the former Cuban, uh, Cuban leader immediate family members have always been somewhat of a secret to the outside world, but Tony Castro, 20 managed to keep his, well, he's in his 20s, managed to keep his low profile despite being active on Instagram. But the Miami Herald and other media organizations got hold of photos that are today only visible by his 1,300 followers. On an island where bread, eggs, and other basic food have, have become scarce and issue the current regime blames on the U.S. government embargo, by the way, Castro showed off his taste for fine liquors and foods during his uncle's celebration. The young man shared a photo during a night out in Havana after having a meal with his mother and photographed himself behind the wheel of a BMW. Now, this wasn't a 1950s BMW, not one that they're going to turn into a boat later on to get to Florida. So, you know, he's out there living it up on Instagram and showing off his wealth. And we're supposed to sit here and go, well, you know, That wouldn't happen in a utopia. Those at the top, the elites, they wouldn't be insulated and wouldn't be out there showing how great they have it because they're a special class. That's how all this works. So let's take a look at this Green New Deal that they want to hash out. The Green New Deal starts with transitioning to 100% green renewable energy, no nuclear or natural gas by 2030. There's that magic date again, 2030. I think the UN has a proposal Agenda 2030. Hmm. Doesn't that globally comport us into that union, that United Nations union? Again, how would you comport the United States? You have to economically cripple them by crippling them on energy resources. That's the fastest and most effective way to do it. Oil is power, unfortunately. And until something comes up that's a better alternative, that's all you got. And if you take that away, well, you allow those who don't care, like China, out there with their SARS mask on and a, you know, pea soup fog, out there just abusing climate uh, mandates of the Paris Climate Accords and what have you, that's how you do it. So it will immediately halt any investment in fossil fuels. It will guarantee full employment. I don't know how that's possible. And generate up to 20 million new living wage jobs, as well as make the government the employer of last resort with a much needed major public jobs program. Again, how is that possible? They say they will invest in sustainable businesses, including cooperatives and nonprofits, by providing grants and loans. And where's that money coming from? With an emphasis on small, locally-based companies that keep the wealth created by local labor circulating in the community. Move to 100% clean energy by 2030, that date again. Invest in clean technologies. Create a commission for economic democracy. I wonder what that is. That's going to be a nice bureaucratic organization that's going to oversee everything. Think of death panels for the uh, Obamacare, by the way. Establish a Renewable Energy Administration on the scale of FDR's hugely successful Rural Electrification Administration launched back in 1935, which brought electrical power to rural America 95%, which had no power. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And unemployment in America once and for all. Why have we waited so long to do that? LBJ, where are you at? Great war of society, the war on poverty. Why did that fix? Why wasn't that fixed in the 60s? So one of the things they're looking at is they really want to scale back our military. That's right. <laughs> First, revenues will need to be between $700 billion to $1 trillion annually for the Green New Deal. $400 billion will be for public jobs programs. And the Green New Deal includes a major cut in federal spending on the military. Because their idea is that, well, you know, if we're not fighting for war anymore, oil, if we're not fighting oil for war anymore, well, then we'll have money to spend. We won't need the, the army. Never mind, jihadists will still be coming after us. Never mind the fact that Russia will still be on the march. These things are just unattainable. They are out of touch with reality and they're meant for an ulterior motive it's not meant for bringing up america and the climate it's meant for delegitimizing and minimizing america on the world stage put us at an economic level where we are crippled gdp under two percent and we are hampered with no energy resources to comport us into a global union that's what ocasio-cortez is all about i'm adrian slade thanks for tuning in you can listen to us on Mojo5.0 every Saturday at 5 p.m., every Sunday, 6 a.m., and then again at 5 p.m. Check out Mojo50 on the iHeartRadio app or at Mojo50.com. You can also check out the podcast: iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, Overcast, Podbeam, wherever podcasts are hosted, you can find the Adrian Slade show. You can also check out the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store. Download it. Check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also support the show. Subscribe, $2 a month or whatever amount you wish, patreon.com slash adriansladeshow or get on over to anchor.fm slash Slade and donate $4.99 a month. We'll see you guys next time.